What's an A player? It's someone who possesses the attitude of curiosity, connection, and total commitment to the vision. The work we do with our clients helps them both be A players and fill their organization with A players. This is a segment of the Naked Leadership Podcast where you will get to know the A players of our team and take new ground. You'll get to see firsthand their brilliance, talent, and commitment as we talk in areas of their expertise. Hey all, this is Chad. Today I get to sit down with Mark Edwards, Associate Partner at Take New Ground. Mark has an insane history and rap sheet when it comes to finance and governance for organizations. If you want to know anything about raising money, finding board members, or strategic exits, Mark is your man. In this episode, Mark and I chat about the hot issue of the Silicon Valley bank run. Mark talks about this from a practical standpoint. He is uniquely aware of the founder's perspective and risk when it comes to storing money. Mark makes it clear that for founders caught in the SVB crisis, this is actually a governance issue. If you don't know what I mean, Stay tuned, he explains it all. At the end of the conversation, he also outlines exactly the action he would take now as a founder when it comes to banking and storing funds. Let's dive in. Mark, my friend, how are you? Great, Chad. Good to uh, see you again. It's always good to be with you. Yeah, we had a happen chance meeting in Austin last week, which was fun. Yeah, that was kind of a surprise. It was good. Good it's, to be here. Kind of crazy time for South by Southwest. It was a crazy time. Well, I mean, even the topic that we're going to talk about right now, Silicon Valley Bank, all of that, like, all that went down right as everybody was coming in for South by Southwest. I was there supporting one of our clients um, in some marketing efforts and, and an activation that she created. Um, and you were out there on meeting taking meetings and anyway it was it was fun to run into you i really appreciated that yeah it was it was interesting because i had thought the south by southwest would be somewhat dominated by ai and chat gpt and what's going on and instead this banking crisis kind of took over and uh, stole the narrative from what i think should have been a very creative you know environment and um and maybe you know, we'll have another conversation some sometime about generative AI and what generative AI means Oof. for everyone, because it does mean something to everyone. Um, but it got swamped. And it's kind of a shame it got swamped, but it got swamped and that's that's the real world. And so, you know, let's talk about let's talk about the real world because that's what that's where we live. Yeah. So when we were when you and I were brainstorming ideas of what we could talk about that would be meaningful for our audience. I was just asking you because it was fresh on my mind and we had this conversation in Austin and um, I asked, you know, what what is it about um, Silicon Valley Bank that we could talk about that would be meaningful for the founders and uh, the leaders that listen to the Naked Leadership podcast? And um, you talked about, you you said something that really surprised me. You said this whole... Um, situation especially for the individual businesses is a governance issue and I, that caught my attention and I, and I thought well, what in the world what in the world are you talking about mark those seem like different you know financing and governance governance those seem like obviously they're connected but they seem like different topics I, I just want to start there why did you why did you respond that this for most of these um, startups or founders that this was a governance issue? Well, as we've talked before, and anyone who's who's heard us um, uh, chat knows that um, 
the the three the three pillars of an organization are um, operations. You know, what are you actually doing in the company? Ownership, who owns a company, and then the the sort of the 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 least uh, that one which has gets the least attention, which is governance and governance being that um, element that sits between ownership and and operations and. What struck me with SVB signature and and in general, you know, this banking crisis is is a crisis of governance, and really, it's a lack of governance. Um, both both a lack of governance in the in these particular banks that have been hit heavily, um, mm-hmm. but it also highlights um, areas that governance could be strengthened in 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 companies, portfolio companies. When I say portfolio companies, companies that have assets in banks which is pretty much every every company i mean there's, there's a few i guess run on cash but pretty much every company has uh, assets in banks and so let's kind of look at it that way and and i mean let's start very briefly with lack of governance at key banks like signature and um, and svb in this case as in many public companies uh the operations the executives tend to have most of the control often stack the board, which is governance. Um, yep. And really, because, you know, shareholding is is very um, uh, decentralized, you don't have many shareholders have much, um, uh, they have a, most shareholders have a low percentage equity. So typically, um, your shareholders are not having a lot of say. It's normally the management that's stacking the board. And that's led to this lack of lack of governance. And so we see that then that, you know, what, what does governance provide? Well, it provides a check and balance. It provides a sounding board. It provides a um, uh, a way to to, to really uh, strengthen the level of conversation occurring inside the company, both with uh, the executives who run the company and, and the representatives of the shareholders who who are, who are the directors. And when you see big failures like this, typically it comes down to lack of governance, meaning that the directors or representatives of the owners are not um, really not doing their job. Um, and they're either that's because they're not the right people or they've mm-hmm. been disempowered some way. And so mm-hmm. um, that's when we see these big surprises come. When you have strong governance, you don't get surprises. So there's been this lack of governance. Now, that's what's happened at the banks, and that's very dramatic. But why? I guess the question is, you know, why and how does that play into the companies? Because most of the companies we're talking to here are, you know, they're going to be smaller, founder-led. You know, they're not banks, right? So yeah, early stage, early stage companies. Yeah, and and so when you think about governance, um, an early stage company, which most most don't, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you, you tend to think about: Do we have plans in place? Um, do we have plans? Not, and typically those plans are for growth. You know, strategic plans, but also they can be plans around disaster recovery. What happens if things go badly? Um, and one of the elements that that is now being considered are treasury management plans. Meaning, you've got money. What are you going to do with that? You know, where's yeah. where's a safe place to put it? And so. This typically hasn't been on the agenda, um, uh, but now, now it's coming to the fore. Companies are thinking about, you know, where do I put my money? Um, how do I manage my money? 
And that is part of a, of a, of a treasury management plan that, again, typically running a business, you're not going to think about that. But when you're, when you're representing the shareholders, you are going to think about that. And if we, you know, we just got bounced back to the banks, um, while the depositors in the banks have been taken care of, the shareholders in these banks have been completely wiped out, which meant that there's been a, you know, huge failure in governance because the whole point of having a board is to look after the interests of shareholders. Um, and those interests have been uh, boomed to the ground, which means that hasn't that job hasn't been done. So if we use this as an example, then, you know, why should we have a board? It's to take care of the interests of shareholders. Yeah. Is there, I, I know this is a little off topic and this is out of the blue. And if you don't have any thoughts you want to share on it, I totally understand. Do you have any reaction to the, the fact that a lot of the principals shared all their, sold all their shares before the collapse? Um, I'd say watch out. There's going to be some. Um, there's going to be some investigations coming. Because when you when you start um, when you see that timing, timing of shares being sold, that is a um, that that's a real red flag. And um, um, you know, I, I used to be an officer in a public company, and quite frankly, um, we we had windows in which to sell shares if we had material information then we absolutely did not sell shares with the material insider information. And there was, there was very insignificant consequences to actually doing that. And so I I would say that um, those those individuals um, probably getting representation right now because that that is a that is a risky thing to be doing. And and you know better. Look, um, you know, your 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 CFO uh, and compliance officers in, in a bank, you know, CFO in a public company they're, they are going to, you know, they know what the rules are around what you can and cannot sell. Um, and definitely knowing the shakiness of their uh, balance sheet, um, that was that was a very um, uh, concerning move. And, um, you know, having been in that role myself, I, I know that you, you think once, you think twice. And, um, you know, the thing we was... Um, said to ourselves when I was at QLogic was before we made a trade um, were we okay with the full details of that trade you know being being announced on the front page of the, of the Wall Street Journal you know going fully yeah. public um, and the answer is yeah if you're, if you're good with that then then you know then it's a good trade then, then it's a good trade but if you're doing that on insider information or um, non-public information which you know, I, I don't know for a fact they were, but but it's 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 a bit smelly. Um, then then you know you're really really making short term, very short term decisions. Yeah, uh, thanks for entertaining that question. I'm just so I it's so curious to me, and I as those listening can probably tell, I, my my level of knowledge in this is just enough to get me in trouble in a conversation. Um, so it's I love hearing your perspective on those things. A little bit off topic, but um, I wanted to. Uh, I also wanted to point out, point people back to the last episode that you and I did together, which was all about boards, right? So that information, and we had no idea what was coming with yeah. uh, with SBV, but w that that conversation really sets a great foundational knowledge for this conversation. So if you haven't heard that, 
really encourage you to go back and listen because there's a lot of meaningful information around governance in that conversation. So, Mark, you talked about having a plan in place. Now, we all know that we can't have a plan for everything. Yeah. It would be impossible. So, talking to very um, stretched and um, hard driving founders that have a you know a million move a million moving pieces that they're taking uh, that they're paying attention to. Where would you start to make these plans? Like, what would you be paying close attention to on the finance side or the governance side to make plans in order to make sure that you're covered at least in as many places that you can? Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Let me say that one more time. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Now, that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now, the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset, are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate? what's effective and what's ineffective, what your strengths are and what your blind spots are. It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. Well, the first thing is as a founder or CEO, um, it's recognizing you don't know everything. Um, they, you know a lot about your business. You know a lot about your market, your product, product market fit. Uh, operations, how you get the business done, and and that's why you're in that role. Um, but there are things you don't know, and that that sort of segment that what we call that DKDK, right? You don't know what you don't know. Right. Um, the more aware you're of that, the more likely you are to reach out to other resources. And in this case, the resource we recommend having is in fact a board of directors, and that board, you know, is. Yeah, would be a would be a group of people you've picked for their knowledge, their experience, um, and networks and resources they can bring to the table that go beyond what you and your and your executive team, your management team have. So what I would say is that that it that is going to come up in the conversation if you've constituted a board and you have a board and you're actively using the board, um, and that just doesn't mean board meetings, but you know. But in addition to board meetings, uh, be able to reach out when um, at, at at other times. If you've 
if you've got that board in place and it is functioning, then these kind of conversations are going to come up because the areas of vulnerability for your company um, would would be something that uh, is pretty obvious. So back yeah. earlier in my career, I saw high-end computer systems and um, we sold into businesses that were, you know, their entire business was running a computer system. Think about airline reservations or car yeah. reservations. So I clients like Hertz and Amadeus and for example, Hertz, um, their data center is, is based in Oklahoma City. So back in the 90s, when there was the Oklahoma City bombing, uh, that really made Hertz look at, hey, our whole business is going to go down if we only have one data center. So they implemented a second data center and mirrored it, which was a huge investment at the time because the technologies were very embryonic for mirroring data in real time. I mean, large amounts of data in real time um, back in the 90s. But it was... It was a reflection to an incident. You know, there was an incident, terrorist bombing in Oklahoma City. So, you know, they realized, oh my goodness, if that had been closer to our data center, we could have gone down. Now, did they know that before? No, but then what happened was a lot of companies after that then started putting in disaster recovery plans. How do, what happens if, if that proverbial 747 goes through the roof? What, what is it we're going to do? How are we going to keep this business running? And that sort of spawned that whole business continuity practice and, and everything that came after yeah. that. So again, I think the best way to do that is to constitute the board. And then the board, if you've got the right people on the board, they under and they develop um, not just another they will come with some understanding of the industry. However, they're going to develop a deeper understanding as you, the founder, the executive in charge are uh, explaining what you do, their questions are going to be the ones that you're going to need to respond to. If you've got the right mm-hmm. board, they're going to ask the right questions and they're going to be about... Um, so in the same way that that Oklahoma City bombing back in the 90s created a whole business continuity um, practice and and you know, every board of directors had to ask their team, okay, what's your disaster recovery plan right now? In the same way, starting you know this month, every board saying, "What's your treasury management plan? How are you going <laughs> to?" Yeah. You know. So, so these things, but these are a little bit about you know, um, uh, you know, showing the barn door after the whole, after the horses bolted. So, how do you get ahead of that? Well, you get ahead of that by having the right board, the people who are going to challenge you as a, as a CEO, um, and founder and CEO. They're going to challenge you. Um, and that's really what you want to look for. You don't want yes men and women on the board. You want people to get to uh-huh. challenge you, and they're going to take you into that DKDK, that area that you don't know, you don't know about. Their experience is going to lead them into that, and and ask you questions that you won't be able to answer. And that's where the gold is. Yeah, that's brilliant. So, what if I could just like throw back to you what I'm hearing you say in my language, because. You know, I was I was taken by surprise to your response when I asked you about SBV, and now I'm understanding what I hear you saying is that if you have a an effective board in place, they are going to identify blind spots okay. for you, 
and they're going to illuminate those and then those become a topic of conversation and action and you'll take action that you didn't even know needed to be taken that because you had a gov- uh, an effective board of governance in place. Yeah, I would add to that, uh, blind spots and areas of risk, um, because ultimately that's what we're talking about, is risk alleviation. Yeah. And what they're going to do is they're going to challenge you to come up with a plan uh, to, uh, to, to offset the, the higher those risks which are most likely going to damage shareholder value. Um, I'd put you out of business um, or, or, or just cause you know, the, these you know, significant losses in the business. So um, that's why we can't say exactly what it is, but, but the, and it may be areas that you're aware of, but you haven't prioritized. So it's not always, right on. always in the DKDK. It could be, hey, I'm aware of that, but it's not a priority. The board may say, hold on, hang on, this is a priority. These are reasons it's a priority. And as the shareholder representatives, we believe it's a priority. And ultimately, yeah. that is why you want a powerful board because, you know, sorry, a board that is empowered, an empowered board has been empowered by shareholders. Now, here's where it gets interesting. As the founder, you may be the largest shareholder and you say, well, why don't I, you know, why do I need that? Well, because again, it comes back to, do you know everything or, you know, are you, are you open to bringing in resource that may have experiences that you don't have, may have um, knowledge that you don't have. And if that's the case, then, then I would strongly encourage you to look at forming, forming a board to look after your own interests, because frankly, when you're running a business, you're not necessarily best place to look after your own interests. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I agree totally. And if you're listening to this and you're wondering, well, Mark, when should I consider forming a board? Please go again, go back to that last episode that we did together. And we talked specifically about that. I'm not going to dive into that now because I want to stay focused on this, um, on this topic, but there's really great information in, in that conversation about when you should form a board, how you form a board, how do you make sure that it's effective and empowered? Um, it's a really rich conversation. I've listened back to it a couple of times just for my own my own sake, my own understanding. So, Mark, um, what do you think going forward after this crisis, what do you think is fundamentally going to change about the way people store their money? Well, um, fundamentally, people are going to store it in in multiple places. So it's not just going to be in one bank. And we've certainly done that with some of the companies we work with um, where we had all the funds in one bank and now it's spread across multiple banks. Um, we're going to pay attention to putting a treasury management um, plan in place. I mean, uh, in fact, later on this afternoon, I have a call with um, with the treasury management department of, of, of a bank for one of the companies that, that um, that we're involved in. And um, so I would say that um, multiple multiple places, so multiple banks, um, I think it's also going to put a spotlight back on um, digital currencies, crypto, uh, which you know, oh, yes. has been hammered pretty hard and you know got, got really kicked to the curb. Um, so I do think we're going to see alternate forms of um, of uh, 
stores of wealth. And so it won't just be fiat currency because you know this this is uh, this is a big sort of uh, uh, shock to really to the fiat currency system. And and while that's yeah. what we have, um, so I think there'll be number one decentralization, multiple accounts, um, and then number two is going to be looking at alternative. Uh, forms of stores of wealth, which is primarily digital currency because um, I don't think precious metals make a lot of sense to many people. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, it does to some people, but generally to businesses, not. So I think it will signal a resurgence of um, of selected crypto. Yeah. Do you, th- it, will there be an increase in transparency of the rate of leverage that financial institutions are 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 instituting or are 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 people going to be paying closer attention to that do you think um well they may do for a while but then that's going to be that's pretty hard to look at um and 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 that's really pertinent to shareholders of the banks um um because they're, they're the ones who really get hurt i mean what the government's shown is that and what every not just the US government, every government shown is they're not going to let the depositors down. So I don't think from yeah. a depositive viewpoint, um, it's going to make a huge difference. Um, other sense. than we're all, we're all cautious around that. But I think in terms of, you know, how the banks manage their balance sheet, that's going to be, that's going to be something that the investors are going to be extremely aware of. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and most people are going to be pretty, pretty concerned about investing in bank stocks for a while. So you're, let's just say you're a founder in an early stage, maybe you're round A or something like that. And, you know, it's so interesting. I'll just say this really quick. That Friday morning, I got two emergency calls from clients, from my clients that are founders of both tech tech companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, just feeling devastated in that moment. <laughs> And it was early. It was early. There wasn't a lot of information at the time. Uh, they didn't know exactly, you know, the 250000 or whatever it was, was really what was the only thing that they thought was going to be guaranteed. Anyway, it was an interesting experience. And it really put me in the place of these founders. And I, I started asking my quest, the question, um, if I'm a founder, what do I learn from this? What do I take away from it? And I think, you know, we've already highlighted some of them, but I just, at the end of this conversation, I want to punctuate some of those. Mark, as given your, you get to take your experience with you, you're founding again, which you are, uh, and you're in a certain round of raising money and operations and growing this thing, and you've got so much to consider. What is it that you take away from this experience? Create options is the number one thing for me because that Friday morning, I was I was also very nervous. Um, yeah, I'm running a company. We raised a million bucks. We have a million in the bank, and um, uh, and the bank it was in, which was not either of these two banks, but another one that was getting hit pretty hard at that time. Um, I was very nervous. I mean, I was you know feeling literally sick to my stomach and. Uh, Fortunately, I'd already begun the process of opening another bank account uh, about a month before, because it does take time to open other bank accounts. So I had um, and actually um, only got the account number and routing number for the for the new account that Friday morning, um, 
which was very fortunate. And I was able to transfer out um, the bulk of the cash into into another bank. Um, uh, you know, before the before the bank that we had the money in, um, which 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 is a one that's still under a lot of pressure right now, um, without naming it. Um, so I I would say that um, mm -hmm. you know create options, which right now means you know, open other bank accounts. And it's not always straightforward mm -hmm. to open other bank accounts, especially when you're venture backed because um often, you know, the you know, the bank is looking through to who are the beneficial owners of the company, they want all sorts of information on them. And VCs, you know, don't like, you know, offering that up. So um you just gotta have frank conversation with your investors if you're VC backed that this is what we need from you. Um and um, so, so it's really create create options for yourself. Um, yeah, learn learn from what's happened. Learn from you know the misfortunes of others. Now, in this case, everyone's going to be okay, but that's not necessarily always going to be the or won't right. always be the case. Right, makes sense. Anything else you want to share on this topic uh, specifically? I know you really wanted to make sure that the the idea of governance and brilliantly so, I think. Uh, to make it a useful conversation rather than just a speculative conversation about banking, you you really wanted to make sure we we drove home this idea of governance and the importance there. Is there anything in in final that you want to say about that? Well, I I know you plugged the previous uh, podcast we did on governance. The one thing I would say out of it is either as a founder and CEO, if you don't have a board, um, you you can either architect that board yourself or wait and an investor will do it for you and my i'm i'm the advocate for the founder and the C, and 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 the ceo and the executive team so as, as my one plug as the advocacy for the founders and ceos is architect the board um in in light of the vision and where you want to go um in conjunction with it with the investors or if you get an institutional investor like a VC, they're going to do it and it'll be done the way they want to do it, which may not be exactly the way you want to do it. So I suggest take action as opposed to wait and, and get it um, implemented um, regardless of how you see it should be done. Take it from an experienced board member, investor. Yeah. I'm sure you've been in all of those situations. And Mark, you've side. shared with me. You haven't always been on the interested side of the founder, so you've seen the other side of it. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Look, look I'm, a, I'm a full venture capitalist, so you know, nine times out of ten, I was the one forming the board, and um, you can weight the board towards yourself if you're forming it as an investor um, versus it being more balanced. Um, so that's you know, because as the old saying goes, he who has the gold makes the rules. And that's absolutely the case. So if you wait until you're bringing investment in to form a board, um, yeah, you, you're going to get what's served up to you uh, versus taking control. Yeah. Mark, you have such a unique voice on this podcast and in this conversation, and I'm so appreciative of it. I learn so much every time you're on. So thank you so much for taking the time. Chad, it's always a pleasure. Great to talk to you, brother. All right, man. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. 
Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody.